welcome to another episode of FDTV Podcast. Today we are here to discuss yet again of all the exciting things going around in the world of football. My name is Jawad. I'm joined with my co-host Ali. Let's get into what's exciting today. Ali, what's the first thing that we want to get into? The Champions League. A lot of good fixtures lived up to the hype that we predicted in our last episode. Let's start off with Bayern Munich going against PSG. So the final scoreline was two goals to Bayern and three to PSG. Brilliant performances from a lot of players on both sides. What did you make of the tie as a whole? So, we are starting off with the big match right away, PSG-Bayern. And to be honest, I expected the exact opposite to be happening from what actually ended up happening. Credits where they are due. Neymar put in a subdue performance. He was brilliant on the night. But the headlines all went to Kylian Mbappe. Rightly so, Kylian Mbappe did score two goals. But it was Neymar on the back end orchestrating everything around that was going on. Everything good with PSG was Neymar. And there is another thing that I want to talk about, which is Kaylor Navas. What a performance. What a performance that he put in. I think, uh, if not for Neymar, he probably is the man of the match. I think he made like 10 saves. And uh, it, it was a great night for PSG. And the team from Paris actually stole the show here. And Bayern kind of looks looks sloppy in front of goal. And obviously, you're going to miss your top striker and the best striker in the world. What are your thoughts? Well, I was thoroughly impressed by Kaylor Navas. And I always thought uh, when Real Madrid won those three Champions League trophies in a row, Kaylor Navas had, had always put in a great show in the, goal, in the goalkeeping spot. And this just proves the case that he's one of the most underrated goalkeepers in football history. Uh, loved love him at international level as well. I remember the match against Netherlands. Uh, he put on a great show for Costa Rica and the match went to the penalties. So I always loved watching Kaylor Navas and I, I thought Manuel Neuer will have a lot of say in this tie but uh, Kaylor Navas stole the show even, at, even against one of the best goalkeepers ever. So it was a great performance from both teams. Uh, Joshua Kimmich again impressed me a lot, was great in pressing, his passes along and distribution in the midfield area was superb to watch. I think the uh, difference that Bayern Munich had in this game was that Alaba was playing as a centre-back. Centre I think he should be starting as a left-back when you're going against PSG and Hernandez should be playing as a centre-back, which he has done for France as well. But what are your thoughts on Mbappe? Uh, was he extraordinary or what the goals served to him on a plate. The goals were kind of put in to him, I must say. But he did take full advantage of it. He made them look like almost old man. Compared to them, he compared to him, they are obviously. The guy is young and he runs like a Mack truck. The guy is so fast. It's unbelievable. He's so fast. Mack truck might be the wrong analogy here. He is actually the LaFerrari in this case. He was sprinting past everyone. Ooh. And he is putting together a great season. One might even say he's putting together a Ballon d'Or season. And it might end up being on the podium. And he might end up winning that award. He is having that one of those performances and yeah. one of those seasons. So he was the difference maker exactly. in this one. Though, uh, like I said, Neymar took a lot of credit in my eyes as well. The headlines went to Mbappe. Now, the one thing that I want to talk about is Joshua Kimmich. Right, you mentioned him. You uh, briefly mentioned him. Here's the here's the stat. He created ten clear-cut chances for Bayern Munich. Ten. Yes. This is the most any player has created since the likes of Mitsa Özil. So Özil created that about ten oh, years or so wow. ago. It's been so long, 
and 10 chances and how they missed Lewandowski. Goodness me. Absolutely. Goodness me. I yes. think if Lewandowski was playing, no doubt in my mind, that was Bayern's match. They might have even put like five Two. past PSG at this point with the amount of chances they created. It was just that they were missing their main man up front. And yeah, obviously you're going to miss him. He is the best striker in the world right now and rightly so for a reason. Cool. And if you don't have him up front and you have Kimmich serving up cross after cross, chances after chances, creating the most chances but failing to take them, I think that's where uh, Bayern lost the tie. And whereas PSG only created six and scored three out of those. Right? So they, were, they had the killer instinct in this one and that's what won them the tie. The tie is still in balance. Who do you think takes this, Ali? If he slots Mueller into the center forward spot and uh, plays an attacking midfielder from the bench, that is a better approach in my opinion, if he really wants to turn this tie around. But I think Pochettino is tactically strong enough to uh, take PSG through to the next round. Yeah, I feel like it is PSG's season and they might end up taking it as well. But uh, Bayern are still in this. Never count them out. It's just that their shooting boots were missing this game. They might end up getting them back the next game. And if they create the same amount of chances, that's what you love. And that's what the European Knights are all about. And I feel like, yeah, Bayern still are in this, but PSG takes this. Going in the same trajectory of Champions League ties, another tie that caught my eye was Man City going against Dortmund and getting a pin. The hype was built around the performance of Erling Brot Haaland, but I think he had a very off night. Uh, midfield was a lot of a lot of trouble for uh, Dortmund. City completely dominated them and got the two goals. I think Dortmund will go out at this stage of the Champions League. If this was a chance to impress Guardiola for Haaland, I think he wasted it. He was very very poor in uh, the final third. His passing and his um, uh, off-the-ball movement was really questioned by a lot of pundits. And I, th I, th I think he had a very average night. I, I, I actually watched the match because of Haaland and I was thoroughly disappointed. When it comes to City, Guardiola's side looks really deadly. Dortmund got the away goal, but with Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden uh, and Gabriel Jesus, Bernardo Silva, and the important part is that surprised me the most is Guardiola did not play a striker in the game. He had Bernardo Silva operating as a false nine and he was feeding balls to the wingers. That was really interesting to watch. That just showcases how brilliant of a manager Pep Guardiola is. And I think this tie belongs to City and they will go to the next round very comfortably. So what do you think of the tie? Alright, oh. so the key man in this one was not Haaland in my opinion. It was Phil Foden, someone that we are sleeping on right now. He ended up getting the winning goal, but not to say City were not deserving of the win right now. City were not up to par. I feel like they can perform a lot better, but given the situation they were in, not playing an out-and-out striker up front, having a lot of issues that they're going through, City still managed to make the game in their favor. They still managed to get the win. Right? So I feel like that's still something which is a positive take to take out of it. But she cannot take the X factor out of the game. The next game is going to be played at home for Dortmund. And it is going to be Holland show. I feel like that that is the case. So the tie still isn't very much in the balance. I feel like City is going to go through. But we're sleeping on a few things. We're sleeping on Holland's ability to kill the game. But 
more importantly, we're sleeping on a wonder kid, that is Phil Foden, who actually put in a brilliant performance in this game, and rightly ended up getting the goal for himself. Now, there is one controversy that I want to talk about in this match, which was that foul that was given. I feel like uh, they had an entire rightful chance to play the ball when uh, Edison was trying to clear it out. The ball was not in stride and the ball was not uh, actually open for play. But the referee ended up blowing the whistle. Instead, let the game play out, see how it's going to develop. And then you can call back the foul, you've got war, right? So that's an option there. But that's ifs and buts. Still feel like City are the favorite in this one. But here's the thing, look out for Haaland. I feel like he's going to get on the score sheet. And what did you make of the Porto tie against Chelsea? Chelsea got a comfortable away win, two goals. Mason Mount, who is another English midfielder, had an amazing performance on the day and he was controlling the midfield and reminded me of Steven Gerrard in his prime, the way he distributes the ball and wins the ball back for his team. Excellent player and I'm just very excited to see him in the England team for the Euros. What did you make of the tie and do Chelsea go through? Uh, first thing, easy. At Chelsea do go through two away goals. I feel like too much of an uh, uphill battle for Porto to win this one and climb back in it. I feel like Chelsea go through. It was a blip that they ended up losing to West Brom and uh, that's what it's proving to be so far. Chelsea haven't really conceded that many goals. It was just that one game against West Brom, they ended up conceding five. But other than that, I think uh, they have kept more clean sheets than any other top five league uh, team right now. So Chelsea is playing perfectly to the T. Tuchel has actually managed to get them uh, in tune right now. So let's talk about uh, Mason Mount. If I'm not wrong, he had, when he scored, he is the youngest player, English player to have scored in the European quarterfinal, right? So True. Yes. amazing, amazing numbers and amazing stats there. So Mason Mount did put in a great performance and here's people who are thinking that he might be on the fringes of the team if Tuchel comes in. Here's him playing and scoring as well. So I feel like it's a pretty easy tie and Chelsea are a shoo-in for the semis. Uh, let, let's move into the more exciting tie of the thing, which is more in line of what's going on to happen with Real Madrid. Do you think they go through? I predicted a Real Madrid win the last time. Actually, all, I got all of my four predictions uh, right on the money. So, I, I needed to flex that one. So, Real Madrid surprised me. I thought after watching the team lineup, I thought this was going to be a hard day for Zidane's men. But their Champions League pedigree is uh, so high and the quality they put in on European nights is really something that you should admire. Uh, Vinicius Jr. out of all people got a brace and what a Finally found out finish. Tandem. Exactly. And what a brilliant midfield duo uh, Modric and Cruz are. People compare them with uh, Scholes and Keane, Lampard and Gerrard. I think they are in, in a league of their own when it comes to European football. Uh, what a brilliant pass from Tony Cruz to Vinicius and great control and a great finish for him. Liverpool again caught out in the midfield, were poor in transitions. Apart from Salah, their attack were pretty dead. Nobody was actively looking to create chances. Uh, Fabinho and Wijnaldum had a very poor night as well. Allison has not been the same ever since he has grown the moustache. So, uh, I, I don't know what, what is happening there. I think Liverpool a little too arrogant in approaching the tie and Klub's arrogance, I think, uh, paid in favour of Real Madrid. And I think Real will go through. So, Real are definitely going through in this one. But here's the thing. The game was who is going to pay 
with their second choice defenders better. Both of the team were missing first choice defenders. So it was a right. game like who's going to go out there and attack. Obviously, both the teams could not defend and that was evident in the tie. Real Madrid were struggling, right. but Liverpool were just horrendous. Their defense was nowhere to be seen. And to give all people out of Vinicius Junior space and him finishing, <laughs> that, that's insulting yeah. in my, in my uh, mind. <laughs> him, he hasn't finished like that in God knows how long. And here's another yeah, number yeah. for you. Phil Foden, is that, oh, sorry, not Phil Foden. Vinicius Junior has got the same amount of goal as Messi in a Champions League quarterfinal in the last four years. <laughs> And he's only played that's one match in the quarterfinal, I feel like, right? So, yes. <laughs> so that's all for all the Messi haters. You're going to love that. But here's the thing. The guy does not know how to finish, but he still managed to do that. And that's, I feel like, on the Liverpool defence. Where were they? How, how was that much space afforded to Real Madrid? How was Cruz able to play that ball in like that? And exactly. to be honest, a brilliant piece of control by Junior. And that finish was very good. So, credit where his credit is due. Uh, Real Madrid do end up going through in this one as well. I have I have to ask you one question about a certain player that has been in the media for the past couple of weeks. People are arguing whether Trent Alexander-Arnold should start for England at the Euros. I think he is a brilliant passer of the ball and we know he can cross a ball really accurately. But his defensive side of things are really troublesome for both Southgate and for Klopp. So, do you think this night particularly proves the case that Kyle Walker should start for England in the Euros? So, he literally had a yo-yo of a performance, uh, if I if I <laughs> want to put it this way. Uh, the last game yes. that he played in the Premier League, he was brilliant. He put, like, put all the doubters in shame. And then they, he gave them a lot more of an ammunition in this one. And to be honest, Zidane knew that he was struggling and he took advantage of it. All of the attack was down on the Trent Alexander side. And that's where they were having a lot of fun, Real Madrid. And they managed to score most of the goals and most of their attacks was through that side. So I feel like uh, one player cannot be blamed for the way the team is playing. But Trent Alexander certainly made a case for that. No, so I, yeah, so just to answer your question real quick, um, I, I still feel like uh, it's a tough competition for uh, the England starting spot. I, I would I would not pick Trent Alexander. That that's my opinion. But who knows what's going through Gareth Southgate's mind? So the next question I want to uh, ask you is about Kylian Mbappe. Reports are linking him with everyone right now: Liverpool, Chelsea, and Real Madrid as well. So do you think Real Madrid should restructure their attack, and Kylian Mbappe should be the starting point and the pinnacle of the attack? And what does that mean for Eden Hazard's future at Real Madrid? So, uh, Hazard's future, I don't see any future for him at Real Madrid. I think he's done. Uh, there isn't coming back from this. He's one of those failed Galactico experiments that we all hear about. Right? Kaká was one of those guys. But Kaká at least still had some productive seasons with Real. He still made some contribution to the Galacticos. But Hazard has actually failed to do so. And... Uh, Injuries piling up, not not his fault. The guy has clearly lost a step since he had the, that surgery. So, uh, it's not on him. And it's Real Madrid's problem as well. If you look at their injury list this season, they've uh, exactly. got yep. more injuries than anyone else in La Liga right now. So, there's something clearly going on in their locker room with their medical staff. So, someone needs to be looking into that. What's happening? Why are they getting injured all of a sudden? Uh, but... 
the impressive thing is how Zidane is managing them as a team, right? So managing them and yeah. managing to come through that, that's something which is great. Now, moving on to the question about Mbappe, should they splash the cash? Do they even have the cash to splash? Right? So uh, that's, that's the thing. Now, they have an aging striker up front who's brilliant, to be honest. Um, Benzema yes. has, doing a great, has been doing a great job since Ronaldo left. But can Mbappe come in? Can they actually spend that amount of money? I feel like if they have the money, they should absolutely spend it on Mbappe. But my question is, does Mbappe really want to go to Madrid? Is that where he is seeing his future? Now, Neymar would absolutely love it since he would be the focal point of a team that he wanted to be. But uh, yes. I, I don't think it's the right choice for his career right now. I still feel like uh, he should wait at least a year or so. But there's historical evidence of Real Madrid snatching a player at the time when they are having a Ballon d'Or season. Look at the likes of Ronaldo. Look at the likes of Figo, right? So that that that's happened in the past where Real Madrid has come in. Even Cannavaro, to be exact, uh, to be another example, when he yes. switched over to Real Madrid, that's where he won the Ballon d'Or. But he had played that season for two different teams. I feel like that might be the case uh, for Mbappe as well. So, yeah. Should he go? I don't feel like uh, that's my personal bias. I don't want him to go to Madrid and have a super club be even more big, right? So I feel like he should stay at PSG at least. But if he wins the Champions League with PSG, what's there to do? So that that's my take on this. Do you think uh, Real Madrid are gonna buy him? We need to look at Mbappe's profile. He loves Cristiano Ronaldo. He wants to replicate his career. And Real Madrid, even though you hate them, it doesn't matter. They are still one of the biggest clubs in world football and they will always hold the European crown. So uh, Real Madrid uh, will look at Mbappe and will certainly give him a contract that is worthwhile for a player of his caliber. And um, really, Real Madrid needs a lot of players. They need to completely restructure their attack. They have an aging squad. The spine is slowly fading away. And before the rust settle, settles in, they need to they need to they need to make a few big transfers that can take them in the in the, in the next decade in the same successful way. So Mbappe would be a very good starting point, and I personally see him moving to uh, Real Madrid. Even though if PSG wins the Champions League this season, that doesn't uh, mean that Real Madrid's pedigree in Mbappe's eyes will become any less. From one star player to another star player, Mo Salah. Let's talk about him. Are Liverpool going to renew him or should he be going to the likes of Barca or Real in that case? Liverpool need to really assess their squad at the moment. They have bought a lot of players, Ozan Kabak, Costa Simikas and Diego Jota. But all of them have showed glimpses of what they can do but failed in the complete picture of things, right? The bigger picture has failed that Klopp envisioned at the start of the season. So uh, right now, if they want to re redefine their attack for the next season, they need to find a player who is much different than Salah when it comes to profile. So if Salah goes, that means that uh, Firmino and Mane have to play in a different setup because the three, uh, the front three that Liverpool have play in conjunction. And if one of them is having a bad day, most likely means that the other two are not operating on their maximum as well. And I think Salah can move to Real Madrid, but there is a big question for uh, Real Madrid's uh, transfer team because Salah is approaching the same age as Hazard. And 
can they have another can they afford to have another failed experiment as hazard because they are similar players when it comes to goal scoring ability finally some good news uefa has confirmed that they will let supporters back into the stadiums for the euros uh what do you think is it a good good step imagine a, a tournament as big as the european championship without fans makes no sense right so fans slowly approaching to the back to the stadium where they belong is obviously a good news for football all around and without the fans i don't think anticipation will be that high if they had some sort of online uh, watching scheme or something i don't think anybody would buy the tickets and the anticipation would be at an all time low so in a civilized way in a secure way even with the pandemic still being in the uh, footballing world i still think that that's a good decision on uh, fifa's part and this this is a very good news what else can i say well uefa did definitely made a good decision that's what i feel like cuz it's about time they let the fans back into the stadiums whether it be half capacity or full capacity that's up to them uh, but i feel like it's about time now we have missed the fans and the fans have missed the football right so football has not been the same though they have managed to just plow through and keep on playing uh, it's about time that the fans come back here and uh, this is a very good decision euros wouldn't wouldn't have been the same and not as exciting for sure you like there's a specific reason that club football is more watched than international football at the level of euros obviously you cannot compare your like uh, world cup because that's an, an entirely different beast but european mm-hmm. club football right now it overshadows what's going to happen at the international break and us as supporters of teams are actually more invested in what's going on so we were going to watch the club games no matter what now whether someone's going to watch a euros game where if the, the big teams are not playing that's another question but if you have supporters back in there that makes the ties a little bit more enticing uh, let's move on to the last question for the day and that is the top 4 in seria a what is going on there and if juventus miss out on champions league football which can happen do you think that means a complete change in setup at juventus and a pirlo sacking Perlots being sacked is another question whether Ta- Juventus finish in the top 4 is another question. So I feel like Juventus are going to be top 4 their win against Napoli kind of solidified that that was the one tie that if they had lost or even drew for that matter Napoli would have been haunting them right. So yeah I, I feel like Juventus do stay in the top 4 but the story of the night is Inter Milan. Wow, what a crazy run. Double digits now, 10 exactly. games winning yeah. streak. They have been brilliant. Winning by the smallest of margins at time and completely blowing away their team. And there's only one focal point in that and that is Romelu Lukaku. What a transformation. What a transformation. What? Not a player that you remember for what was going on at United. Uh now 11 yes. points clear of the second place Milan. Uh I don't like it. but rightly so conte got his wish got the players that he wanted and is going to finally snatch the serie a crown away from the old lady so what well, do you think uh, who who's going to be qualifying for the champions league spots i think it's obviously inter milan obviously have a shout in there as well i don't like juventus they have severely disappointed fans all around the world but i don't think they are bad enough to finish outside top 4 
even though their form and performance suggest otherwise. But Juventus, Milan, Inter and I would put in probably Napoli in there. That, that is my top four. Right, so right now there is about four points gap of from second place to the fifth place. So anyone can drop out. Obviously, Milan uh, in second place have dropped in form significantly. Now, if somehow they can have combined the end of last season and the start of this season together, they would have been the champions. But unfortunately, that's not how football works. So, yeah. yeah if they continue like this, we'll know more. We're recording this on Saturday. So it's right before Milan play. So if they end up beating Parma, I'll have some more confidence in them. But their attack is feeling isolated right now. Nothing is clicking as of uh, with their uh, number 10, Chalonolu, uh, who's about to get his contract expired. So there's a lot of factors in play. I, I feel like right. Milan might end up slipping, but finishing outside of the top four would be disappointing. I have a slight feeling that that might end up happening, but my top four are Enter, Juventus, Atlanta, and then Milan. I feel like Napoli might miss out. Atlanta is going to be the team that's going to finish in top three. Uh, three. And Juventus uh, are starting to hit their stride a little bit, but then they just stumble. But they have right. enough star quality, enough players that can make a difference. The likes of Chiesa, the like of Ronaldo. One cannot forget the almost Capo Capionari, the only competition he's got now is Romelu Lukaku. So let's see who wins oh, that. But it's Inter, Juventus, Atalanta, and then Milan. Fingers crossed. And before we close today's podcast, uh, I want to ask you about Conte. He came to Chelsea, won the league, left. He went to Inter Milan, got the players that he wanted, added experience to his team, stumbled across the way and stumbled out of European competition but still is looking very likely to win the league. Do you think he stays next season or will he go to a different club? I feel like Conte is a three-season type of manager, so he might end up staying. But his goal for next season should be retaining the league title. I feel like they are going to prefer to go after the Champions League and Inter have always struggled in the European competitions when it comes time. So I feel like if Conte stays, Inter would definitely have a shout at the title again, the league title at that. Uh, but what the club should be looking for is a deep run into the Champions League. I feel like Conte stays and uh, he's one of those players, uh, type of coaches that's going to have a three-season arc at any club. But winning at the second season, it's a brilliant achievement. And beating a dominant Juventus team, uh, not so dominant anymore, obviously, but beating them at their game and snatching the title away from them, uh, it's a sandwich of two Milan clubs and then uh, Juventus in their dominance. So, yeah, yes. I feel like uh, they stay, uh, Conte stays. So, thank you for joining us for another video at FDTV. If you like the content, make sure to give it a like, leave a comment down below and subscribe to our channel for more football-related content. And until next time, stay safe, keep balling and FDTV out.